Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And this is week one of a brand new series. We are opening our Bibles to the books of First and Second Timothy. Y'all, this is going to be a three-week series. We're going to kind of go through it a little bit quickly, but we have three fantastic guests for this series, starting with the one and only Scott Sauls, a returning guest, local pastor, friend of the podcast. He loves the She Reads Truth and He Reads Truth communities, and we were so grateful for this series of letters from one pastor to another to invite a pastor to join us um, as we unpack this first episode in the First and Second Timothy series. Y'all are going to love it. We care about you a lot, and we hope that this episode is super helpful to you. So let's get right to it. Pastor Scott Sauls. Welcome back to the She Reads Truth Podcast. Thanks, Rachel. Man, we love having you on, and um, I'm actually really <laughs> excited to have you here today because we're kicking off a new series, as you know, but we are reading a letter from one pastor to another, and so it felt really cool to get to bring a pastor that we know and love mm-hmm. on to chat about this with us. So thanks for coming. Uh, yes, always great to do this. Okay, so we are, um, as we've said, beginning a, a three-week series on first on the books of. We'll call them books at this moment, and then we'll get deeper into what they are. The books of First and Second Timothy. These are, um, as y'all know or don't know, the Apostle Paul wrote thirteen letters. Um, that well, he probably wrote a lot more than thirteen letters, but thirteen of Paul's letters were canonized into Scripture. They're part of the New Testament and kind of made into books. Mm-hmm. Now, of the thirteen, there are three of them that are a subcategory called pastoral letters or pastoral epistles. And so those would include First and Second Timothy and a letter to Titus. And, um, and so today, as we start this, um, as we start this series, we're going to only read the first four chapters of this First Timothy letter written around 62 AD. Do we say AD 62? What's the right no, way to say No, you did that? it right the first time. Awesome. And Listen. we're going to try to read them in full and we're because gonna, we think we can. Yeah. And here's what I, I mean, y'all are, if you're listening to this on the day it releases, you know what I'm going to encourage you to do. Read the whole letter. It is one letter. Read the whole thing. And mm-hmm. then, um, so not just the first four chapters, but read all of First Timothy before we start breaking it up into little pieces because this was intended to be read first in one sitting and then we can look mm-hmm. at it in a whole. Amanda or Scott, give us some background on these letters. What do we need to know? Oh, I'm not going to answer that question. When I have Scott Saul sitting across from me, I want to hear what you have to say, Scott. Oh, I think you'd both be able to hold your own <laughs> on that uh, by this time. Yeah, these are letters from a, a senior minister to a junior minister. Yeah. And you know, the first one is, is a few years before Paul's death, and then the second one uh, is is right before. And it's it's really interesting to... To see even the change of tone between the yeah. two letters, where you know, First Timothy is all about you know guarding the trust of Scripture and you know teaching your people to do what mm-hmm. your life's calling is is to do is to teach people to keep opening their Bibles yeah. and to mm-hmm. ask the Bible to revise and edit them uh, as opposed to you know the other way around and yeah. to to form them and to help them think and mm-hmm. live in beautiful ways. And and then in the second letter, he's just gushing with affection. He's saying the same things, but you can tell he's a man who's who's about to transition uh, into glory, and he's leaving, he's passing the baton to this mm-hmm. young 
man who he had so much life with and so much ministry with and had been through so many trials with and and now he's affectionately saying it's yours for the next season and so i don't know i i one of the things that really draws me to these letters is actually the relationship between the two yeah. and and there's just a a remarkable uh, brotherly fatherly affectionate mentoring yeah. that goes on but it's very serious as well you know you can tell that there's such an urgency in these letters with Paul of we have to you know watch life and doctrine closely and persevere in them right yeah. because salvation depends on it ours and other people's and and so yeah, I mean, these are these are great go-tos for pastors, but but also for any and every Christian who wants to be formed into the likeness of Christ and have their yes. their thinking shaped so that they can be transformed by the renewing of their minds, as Paul says elsewhere in Romans, that they may do uh, the yes. will of God, uh, yeah. His good and perfect will. So yes, so yeah, rich stuff here. So so rich and so, you know, it can be. It's interesting to to read these letters where we sit in time and you know in history, mm-hmm. in church history now, because Paul's letters to Timothy and this one that we will begin reading today specifically, he is you know Timothy is living in a real context. He's living in a city, and in it Ephesus? is it is the city of Ephesus, and it is it is one of the the wealthiest and largest cities of the in the world at that mm-hmm. time. And so as such, there are a lot of different influences at play in the culture, a lot of different religions, gods and goddesses. Like it's a, you know, there are, there's a lot going on. And so, and the, the church that Timothy is, is pastoring and is, is guarding, <laughs> guarding mm-hmm. the gospel. And they, he, that church is learning how to cling to and live out the gospel of Jesus in this real world context. That's right. And so and they are having there are there are certain struggles that they are having. There are false teachers, there are things from the culture that are trying to influence the church rather than the church, you know, rather than the other way around. And and so what we'll see is that Paul offers some really specific instructions. And our temptation mm-hmm. is because it's really hard for us to to read scripture as it's intended to be sometimes, which is to first keep in mind the context and the audience that it was first intended for, mm-hmm. um, which is Timothy and the church in Ephesus. Um, and and then to first read it that way, and then with that understanding, yeah. say, okay, well then how does this? Because like you said, Scott, it is very relevant for the church now, but we would be remiss to pick it up and just lay it over our current context because mm-hmm. the contexts are so radically different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so so that's part of what we'll talk through yeah. today. I was reading. I again this morning I read First uh, Timothy a couple of times just to prepare for this a little bit more, and I think every time you read it, you. Obviously, I hope you learn a little something new, right? Well, there's uh, this the Holy Spirit tends to tends uh, to do as that, we'll doesn't he? Learn in Second Timothy, it mm-hmm. is living and active, and and useful. And what I kind of on on my second read this morning, I just thought, oh, we know that the theme here, like one of the themes, is this like sound doctrine, right, and mm-hmm. preserving of it. And it hit me this morning, like 
what they're doing isn't just guarding the sound doctrine for the church at Ephesus. The very fact that I'm sitting here in 2022 mm-hmm. is is because Paul and those after him were so passionate about mm-hmm. preserving the sound doctrine mm-hmm. of Christ, right? Like the fact that I know what I know about Christ and I know it to be true beyond a shadow of a doubt has a lot to do in part with the guarding of the heritage mm-hmm. way back then. Yeah. And so I just like I feel like I felt a new gratitude for letters like these from mm-hmm. one pastor to another of going like this matters, mm-hmm. guard it with your life. Yeah. yeah. The word sound doctrine uh, mm-hmm. in in the first chapter I never knew what the word sound meant in its original sort of literal meaning until just a couple of years ago. And this is almost 30 years into, you know, being a Christian and, you know, to your point, I mean, you're always learning something new. And what I learned was the word for sound, when Paul uses, you know, talks about sound doctrine, it, it literally means healthy. Um, mm. Healthy words, you know, the purest, most literal, direct, explicit translation you could get of, of those words that were so, so important for Paul mm-hmm. to pass on to pastors and believers of his time. And, and you, know, you just take the health concept and, you know, you think about what it takes for mental health to happen, for physical health to happen, for you know, any kind of health to happen, there have to be a series of daily sort of quiet, regular practices. There has to be kind of a life liturgy where yeah. where you repeat the same things over and over and over again. Like if you want, you know, a, a strong heart and cardiovascular system, you run or you do the rowing machine or elliptical machine or something to get your heart rate up every, you know, five days a week for years and for decades is how you get a healthy heart. You know, one of one of our our staff members at our church, Nate Taskers, our worship and liturgy and arts director, brought something up the other day, and I thought, oh, that's an amazing insight. He said, and we were talking about this concept of healthy doctrine, and he, he said, Scott, in his Australian accent, um, <laughs> how many meals in your life do you actually remember? Yeah, and I said, you know, maybe fifteen. Uh, and how many of you had, um, you know, yeah. you know, multiply, you know, 53 years old times, you know, every day for my whole life, um, except those rare, you know, fasting seasons. But that's a lot of meals. And I, I can only remember 10 to 15 of them. And, you know, I, I think there's so much, especially in the American context, and I think this was true in Ephesus. I think it was also true in Corinth, where Timothy also would serve uh, for a season, is that everybody's thinking about, you know, how, how do we make our Christianity spectacular? How do we create mm-hmm. moments? You know, when we think of like how worship services are done, like how can we like capture them, make a moment happen? And, yeah. and you know, and Pentecost was a moment, yeah. right? And Christ rising from the dead was a moment. So it's, it's not to diminish moments, but, but mm-hmm. Jesus was very quick to emphasize, even in his own teaching, don't look for a sign. You know, there are going to be some who don't believe and don't follow even if somebody rises from the dead right in front of their face. Uh, a sign and these spectacular moments, these, these emotional highs cannot carry you any more than they can carry a real relationship. Real relationship is forged through daily, ordinary, sometimes mundane, mm-hmm. oftentimes boring yeah. uh, time together. And, and so 
you know, when you're reading through Leviticus, it's probably going to be less memorable than the Easter narratives, but that doesn't mean it's less nourishing. That's right. It doesn't mean it, it is less of a contributor to your own formation. Um, because loving God and loving people, I mean, if we think about the nature of love, love is about covenant. Love is about love is about moving toward and blessing the other, especially when we don't feel like it. Yeah. That's where love is tested. And so this word healthy points to practices that we lean into even when we don't want to. Like the least memorable food that, that I've ever eaten is, is like the fiber foods <laughs> and broccoli, like especially like raw vegetables, which they say right. are like the healthiest thing. I, the, the le- I just want to wipe those yeah. eating moments out of my memory. And yet I'm probably still alive and healthy largely because of those less memorable ones. And the most memorable ones like the steaks and the big pizzas and everything else, those are actually... If that was my diet, if I was always just going after what felt the best and tasted the best Mm -hmm. and was most memorable, it actually would hurt my health Mm -hmm. as opposed to (laughs) helping it. And so, you know, the point being, it's important, especially in, in a contemporary Western American mindset where we're always going for the spectacular experience, to realize that depth is formed in ordinary places. The good news of that is it makes it accessible to everyone Mm -hmm. because not everyone can afford or or has time for spectacular experiences. In fact, most people don't. And so the beautiful thing is is that this is accessible to every kind of person. All you got to have is a Bible. All you got to have is the words, the sound, healthy words. There you go. Which like all the more reason like hey if you are not participating in some way in like helping get the bible translated into languages mm-hmm. that do not have it y'all we will link to some fantastic opportunities there for you yeah. to participate in that definitely would encourage it i'm thinking about you sitting here with us right now scott as you know you've been in ministry for over 25 years is that right so you have been both in many ways a timothy and also a paul and I would love to... Well, first of all, are pastors still writing each other's letters? Emails, mainly. Email. But, <laughs> but like, what does it look sometimes. like to be a Timothy or a Paul in the 21st century? I mean, the digital world has made mentoring, less personal mentoring, that much more accessible. Okay, like, yeah. Like, you know... I. I would say a large percentage of who I am as a pastor is attributed to Tim Keller, mm-hmm. uh, for instance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and yet, you know, for 20 years of my 30-ish years in ministry, I didn't know Tim personally at all, and yet was being formed by, you know, what, what I see as a return to... Yeah. And I don't see Tim as being innovative. I see Tim as being somebody who returns to, to what a holistic faith could look like and a holistic, you know, church emphasis could look like. And, you know, I actually had a personal relationship, you know, upfront and close and personal and direct partnership with him for only five years. But there's a whole generation of pastors who've been shaped by that one man's influence. Or you could say, you know, John Piper, or you could say, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. You could say, there are all kinds of, you know, sort of figureheads, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. who've just become kind of known entities in different, you know, Christian tribes and denominations that have their vision, their ministry has had a had a unique mentoring impact on people they've never known. So that that's how it's different. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad thing, uh, but it's a much better thing when when there's that relationship and that ability to struggle together, to work through things yeah. together. 
to dream together, to fail together, to sin and forgive together. Like, like mm-hmm. that's what a real, you know, yeah. deep mentoring relationship looks like. And I, you know, I think some of us are are more, you know, prone to lean into those kinds of relationship than others. Yeah. But it typically happens on the local level. Yeah. Sometimes, kind of, sorta at conferences and in conference yeah. world, but you know, nothing like a well functioning, you know, church team yeah. uh, of staff and volunteers. And but even you know, you look at you know AD sixty two. It wasn't a well functioning church team. Mm-hmm. It was Paul not with Timothy, yeah. not being able to share meals together and just going like it still matters to mm-hmm. me to invest in you to care for you mm-hmm. even though distance separates us. We may not yet have email, but I'm yeah. writing this letter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have two two guys who one guy sends me every single Sunday now for years, this guy named Jimmy Dodd. He's the first pastor who took a chance on me and gave me a job and sent me off to plant a church in Kansas City. Seems like a long, long time ago. But but he's still, Jimmy still, he'll text me every Sunday morning and he, he will have prepared, you know, some kind of devotional thought, especially for me. Wow. And, you know, tells me specifically how he's prayed for me in the last week and and. And another is Scotty Smith. Uh, mm-hmm. I've gotten notes like him every day through text for several years without, wow. missing, without missing a single wow. day. And there's like three of us that yeah. he sends this text to every day uh, without ever missing. And every Sunday without missing one uh, in my last 10 years here in Nashville, you know, he'll, he'll send you know, something. And so there are people who have a heart to do that and they're using the digital platforms, you know, that, you know, so it's less, you know, handwritten stuff, but that's beautiful. I love that. Mm. All right. Speaking of letters, I think we should start reading. Okay. Let's get into it. And we have, we resolved early on as we were looking at this book, as we said to Whenever we get the chance, it is called the She Reads Truth Podcast. So our goal here is to read all of the words from First Timothy for this week, so that as you listen, you can hear everything that Scripture says before mm-hmm. you hear what we have to say about it. Yeah. And I want to encourage you, if you have a study book, you're going to want to read through the introductions Definitely. to the books. You're going to want to take a look at, there's an extra that's about the relationship between Paul and Timothy, and there's even a map to kind of explore which missionary journeys they were on together. It's like a map timeline combo. It's really pretty fantastic. And so it's just super helpful. I found it super helpful. And there's early on in the book, right after the introduction, there's a guide, there's some principles and reminders for interpreting scripture. And so that is also something that you see Mm -hmm. it from time to time in our study books, because these are just timeless things to keep in mind as we read these letters that were written in a different time, Mm -hmm. but because God's word is God's word is still, it was for them then, and it is still also for us now. And so, um, so be sure to, to do all those, but yes, I'm excited to read all the words. We don't usually get to do this. Can I just interject really quickly and and say something to your listeners who don't? Please. And nobody asked me to say this, but but the the books that that you all put together to help people read through books of the Bible every whatever, one, two, three months, quarter, or whatever, these are are some of the best, if not the best resources I think I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of resources to actually help people know how to read it themselves and know how to interpret and understand and digest 
I mean, it's just remarkable. I was just reading through the different sections between the scriptures of here's how to interpret, here's how to read a passage of scripture, here are the principles you need to keep in mind to understand it in the way that it was intended to be understood. It's just remarkable. And I I just want to, you know, thank your organization because this is a great, Mm -hmm. this is a great resource for people in my position to say, hey, uh, you know, I'm not here to read and interpret the Bible for you. I'm here to model that, but my job isn't finished until you can take it yourself and and really own it and become the expert not only at what's in there but 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 how to interpret and understand it and you guys just provide incredible resources in doing this and you know i used to ask the question to my wife like like why why wouldn't people just do the free online thing which is a great option because you have great devotionals and it's a wonderful option but these books just are, are just an extra layer of of helping people with that gain expertise, right? Yeah, yeah. I um, hope so. Yeah. And so, so, and again, I want to repeat: nobody asked me to say that. <laughs> well, uh, these are just kind. great resources, <laughs> Thank and, you. and yeah. you know, highly commend them. And there's a he version uh, as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. To every study you do, there's a he version That's right. uh, as well, and those are just as excellent. And so, anyway, well, thank, thank you, Scott. you. That's kind. Right. She reads Truth mm-hmm. Team. I hope you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. So you just rub that in, as our friend Jess Conley mm-hmm. would say, mm-hmm. and know that the work you're doing really matters. And you know, honestly, Scott, that's what part of what fuels that approach that we take. It is a lot of what we're going to read over the next three weeks from First and Second Timothy because our editorial director Jessica Lamb wrote in the the editor's letter for this study book that it's easy to forget that the Bible itself is actually the best authority on our faith, mm-hmm. not our mountaintop experiences, mm-hmm. not the opinions of of even scholars, like not the even Bible. Yeah. That's right. Like the Bible itself is the best authority on our faith, and so. It's to, we're going to see Paul contend for God's word, and we are going to see him urge Timothy to do the same. So I'm excited. All right. First 11 verses, chapter one. I'll, I'll start for us. Um, I'll read day one. It's the greeting. It begins, Paul, an apostle. Here's the thing that I like about Paul's letters. He's, <laughs> you got three, le- know, three words <laughs> in. I love it. He starts with his name, but he doesn't end with his name, which must have just been like a stylistic thing at the time because he like does uh, like a signature at the end, but doesn't use his name. Instead, uh-huh. he start, it's just a, anyway. He something identifies that himself. been tickled by yeah. in reading Paul's letters. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine or to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. These promote empty speculation rather than God's plan, which operates by faith. Now, the goal of our instruction is a love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these things and turned aside to fruitless discussion. They want to be teachers of the law, although they don't understand what they're saying or what they're insisting on. But we know that the law is good, provided one uses it legitimately. We know that the law is not meant for a righteous person, but for the lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and the sinful, for the unholy and the irreverent, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral and the males who have sex with males, for slave traders, liars, perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary 
to the sound teaching that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which was entrusted to me. I mean, what a start. Paul does love a run on sentence. Paul's coming in hot here. He is coming in hot. There's a lot. <laughs> but he, I mean, it's, it's everything that, I mean, I know that we did a lot of lead into actually reading the scripture today, but this is exactly what we said we would be hearing, this mm-hmm. guarding of sound doctrine, mm-hmm. this guarding of, from fruitlessness, from mm-hmm. teaching that would stray from what is true, what is mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's pretty bold uh, mm-hmm. and lacking in nuance, you know, <laughs> we talk about yeah. the importance of nuance. Right, uh, right. And, and I think nuance is a good thing because oftentimes not, not every truth is as simple as we would like to make it out to be. There are things in the Bible that are open to interpretation that, that, that require, um, you know, thought and charity mm-hmm. and um, lots of conversation. But the boldness with which he writes uh, about things that are sure to offend um, yeah. Yeah. people in uh, this context That's that he's right. writing into uh, is is pretty remarkable. Um, and, you know, there's a reason why almost every time he went into a town, he got bludgeoned mm-hmm. <laughs> by, mm-hmm. right. by both people who were more religious mm-hmm. than 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 the gospel mm-hmm. and by people who are less religious mm-hmm. than the gospel. You know, right. he, he's getting bludgeoned from all sides. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of the hyper-fundamentalists on the one hand and the, you know, secularists on the other hand just just didn't like him because he's, he's attacking unsavory conservative values, culturally conservative values, and unsavory culturally liberal values. He's, he's saying these aren't in line. Yeah. and. It's just kind of this here I stand kind of guy, a yeah. lot like Martin Luther was during yeah. the Reformation. And I don't know, it's both inspiring and scary to see a mm-hmm. preacher speak like this so publicly. And, right. Well, and the thing yeah. is, it wasn't initially so publicly. Like, we are reading his mail. Mm-hmm. This is Paul to Timothy. This isn't even Paul to the church at Ephesus or Paul to you and me. Right. Primarily, it's Paul to Timothy going like, yeah. I have this much time, and this is what I need mm-hmm. you to understand. Mm-hmm. He does love That's a run-on sentence. <laughs> he does, and I, I actually that endears me, the, mm-hmm. endears him to me mm-hmm. for some reason. I know, you know, we've talked about how this was written into a specific context, but as you've already pointed out, Scott, that does not mean that what we've already read so far in these first eleven verses and what we will continue to read does not in any way mean that it is not relevant. And mm-hmm. so that's a tension mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that we hear a lot, you know, in conversations about the Bible and Christianity. Mm-hmm. And and you pointed out and I just want to reiterate that there are faithful Bible reading, knowing and believing Christians from various faith traditions that interpret these passages we're going to read over the next three days, and especially like there are specific portions of them, very differently. Mm-hmm. And that is, I just want to point it out because that is, that tension is appropriate. And mm-hmm. it is, we talk, and we're going to talk more about this in our This is the Church uh, reading plan that's coming up this summer. But they're sort of a way to articulate how we navigate these tensions that we find in scriptural interpretation is to define what beliefs are essential to the gospel. And that's what I hear Paul contending for. Like what you just said, he's offending on both sides of the spectrum because what he's insisting on 
is not a cultural value system at all. It is the value system of the gospel of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. which is wholly other, mm-hmm. right? And it is it is the third way. It is not the conservative or the liberal way. It is mm-hmm. Jesus' way, the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have matters that are essential to that. We have matters that are secondary and more, you know, matters of conviction. Like they, I'm going to use the word matter again. There are issues that deeply matter, but can be interpreted differently by people who who hold God's word as authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have tertiary mm-hmm. issues, which are you know more matters of preference or opinion. And so I just think it's helpful. We're going we're gonna to unpack that more this summer, and you guys are going to want to listen to that because we haven't had those conversations yet. But I hope that they're going to be really helpful to all of us, especially in our 2022 seats mm-hmm. where we sit and really enjoy where where was it the fruitless fruitless discussion mm-hmm. is a thing that that we participate in um, on yeah. a little thing called social media yeah and these days we call it partisanism yeah um, fruitless discussion mm-hmm. partisanism one and the same what one really easy to miss detail is that Paul calls himself Paul mm. that's a Greek name he had been Saul of Tarsus he still was Saul of Tarsus at the writing of this letter but he all he 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 had these interchangeable names, Saul yeah. and Paul. And who who is he writing to? But a young man who from a mixed marriage uh, between a Jewish mother and a Greek father. Uh, mm-hmm. And Timothy has a Greek name. And you know he does this in, in in a lot of his introductions. He he sort of disassociates himself from what partisan people expect him to be mm-hmm. uh, as a spokesman, right? Like the Jews that he came from, you know, would expect him to act like a Jew, talk like a Jew, speak like a Jew, name himself like a Jew. The Gentiles would expect the opposite. The Greeks would expect the opposite, you know, and become like us. And he's, like you said, there's this third way approach where he's rising above it. He's not standing in the middle as, as a moderate. He's rising above all of it to make the point that, among other points, that Christ is is Lord of all. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that makes the Bible relevant and the word of Christ relevant is it has no interest in being relevant to your culture (laughs) or to mine. Uh, What the Bible has interest in doing is coming in and affirming that which is good in your culture and in mine and critiquing and in some ways condemning that which is not good mm-hmm. and not you know healthy, not right. sound right. Uh, in your culture and mine, right? Because we have all these, you know, there's the cultures that we live in that shape us and that form us, you know, through avenues like social media and you know arts and entertainment and you know the cultures of our workplaces, the cultures of our hearts, the cultures yeah. of our homes, and and Christ comes in to redeem culture by affirming the good and critiquing that which is not and and but there's nobody that can box him in right you know Christ is he's too liberal for conservatives he's too conservative for liberal or liberals and that's what kind of drives everybody nuts about people like Christ and people like Paul yeah. is that you know in being Christ's person you're always going to be your own person because you're you're beholden to him and to his word and to his kingship and kingdom and I think that's what got Paul in a lot of trouble with his neighbors, yeah. um, but it also pleased the Lord yeah. uh, immensely uh, that Paul to... was willing to mm-hmm. not be beholden to that's anything right. except for Christ. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 
and we get is his testimony. I mean, listen to the man that that you just described. Listen to his testimony mm-hmm. <laughs> because it is it is shocking. You know, we read that in First Timothy one. I'll keep going and pick us up at verse twelve. I give thanks to Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man. But I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And here's our key verse for 1 Timothy. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. But I received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Mm. Amen. I'm still somewhat in the mindset of Ezekiel, which we read for Lent, Mm -hmm. and God used the prophet Ezekiel to perform sign acts Mm -hmm. um, to communicate to the people of Israel what he was going to do, or really to communicate with these prophecies. But in some ways, like I'm now like I'm living my life on the lookout for Sinex. And I know that that's maybe, I don't know, maybe that's weird. But like, so when I see Paul's life, his life almost serves as a sign act mm-hmm. to go like, this is like, I was like, I was the best of the best. And I had like mm-hmm. everything right. And I realized how broken that truly was and how incomplete I truly was and how wrong. And Christ's mercy saved me and that he like mm-hmm. the way that his life just took a total I mean the way that Christ changed his life and the way that he now li- like the way that he's living and serving yeah. and ministering it's just this beautiful invitation of going like I'm the worst of them if this can happen for me this can happen yeah. for you and I think that like for his life to play that out is such a beautiful invitation and all of our lives is yes. followers of Jesus yes. should be Synax yes. you know to your point oh I like that yeah, yeah that's a good mm-hmm. point mm-hmm. we should all be Synax <laughs> that's good I love how in the same run on paragraph <laughs> he he says I am the worst of sinners, and God has considered me faithful. Yeah. Those two together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am the worst of sinners, and God has considered me faithful. And one of the main reasons why people have misgivings, and I think rightly so, about Christianity is is that we as Christians are, live so inconsistently with the things that we actually say we believe. Mm. We could um, be the worst. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like being a hypocrite is actually one of the first tenets of, of what it means to live out a Christian faith is, is to acknowledge our own inconsistency, mm. to acknowledge our own shortcoming, and then to celebrate and rejoice in the fact that Christ has considered us faithful, yeah. not based on our own consistency, but based on His, mm. not based on our faithfulness, but based on His which, of course, is the compelling reason to become more consistent with yes, what we believe, right? right? Yeah. But I, I've always been taken by the the pairing of those two phrases, I'm the worst of sinners and Christ has considered me faithful, mm. uh, all at the same time. Simultaneously, saints and sinners, as Luther said. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing. It yeah. brings yeah. tears to my actual yeah. eye. Like that just 
the way that that statement alone demonstrates yeah. the the grace and mercy of Jesus. It's like David says in Psalm 32, which is in days two reading, he says, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose mm-hmm. sin is covered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, considering the rest of Scripture means that it has been, and, and the psalm goes on to explain that that sin had to be brought to light mm-hmm. and confessed, which is not a joyful experience. That is painful, but the joy that mm-hmm. comes mm-hmm. from that, that forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a new sponsor for the She Reads Truth podcast, Amanda. We do. Who is it? Tell me. Okay, this week's episode is brought to us by Athletic Greens. Have you heard of them? I'm going to be honest, I have not. Okay, well, listen, I started taking, it's called AG1. Okay. For two reasons. One, I wanted to have more energy. (laughs) Yeah, same. Same, same. (laughs) And number two, I've been hearing about it, and I've just been curious if it's worth the hype. Okay, so what's your review? So, also, I will say I was super skeptical about the taste, because I didn't want it to taste like... I mean, it is called Athletic athletic Greens. greens. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, my honest take is it tasted great. Like, it really tastes good. Like, it really I mean, did I'm not taste bad. I mean, I'm watching you guys. I'm looking at her face to make sure she's telling me the truth. Not that she lies to me. She does not lie to me. But she said, you're telling me the truth I'm right now, I'm telling you the truth. Okay, and I here's you. the deal. I was worried that it would taste healthy, which I don't know if it's... But it doesn't. And somehow, like, when something that's healthy tastes good, you're like, oh, that means there's a lot of sugar in it. Uh-huh. There is one gram of sugar per scoop. That's good. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I check sugar on a lot of things, and I feel like one gram is, you're rocking. Okay, so for our friends like Amanda, who mm-hmm. haven't mm-hmm. heard about Athletic Grains, yes. here's the deal. One scoop of AG1 added to eight ounces of water in the morning. You could do six ounces if you want. but Yeah, I mean, eight ounces is small. Like, that's not much. It's still not bad. So yeah. a glass of water in the morning, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, which I don't know what that is, but it sounds good. <laughs> I want that. I want that. That sounds great. I, listen, I love efficiency, so I love that in one scoop, I am supporting my gut health, my nervous system, my immune system, hallelujah, my energy, my recovery, my focus, and aging. Okay, I'm in now. Yeah, yeah. You're like, no, I'm in. <laughs> you, yeah. you interested me in energy, and you sealed the deal at aging. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So we obviously love to talk about beneficial habits here on the She Reads Truth podcast, and AG1 is a micro habit with big benefits. Right now, Athletic Greens invites our listeners to reclaim their health and arm their immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's one scoop in a cup of water every day. That is it. And I love this especially because my vitamin drawer is out of control. (laughs) So if I can do one thing instead of a hundred things, I am in. Sign me up. All right. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give our listeners, listen to this, a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. Wow. A whole year. And five free travel packs with their first purchase. That feels like a win. Okay. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash truth. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash truth to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey, friends, taking a quick break from this conversation to tell you about one of our podcast sponsors, Haya. Now, if you're a parent, you probably already know this that I'm about to tell you, but typical children's vitamins are basically just candy in disguise. And honestly, not even a much of a disguise because our youngest Toby has literally referred to vitamins that I've given him in the past as candy. Can I have another piece of candy, please? That should have been my first clue. But typical children's vitamins are filled with 
two teaspoons of sugar, like five grams of sugar. Isn't that crazy? And they have unhealthy chemicals and other gummy junk that growing kids just shouldn't eat. And that is why Haya was created. Two dads who wanted something better for their kids. And it's designed for kids of all ages. Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. All the normal vitamins that you want your kids to have to support immunity, energy, brain function, all the things. It is non-GMO, it's vegan, it's dairy-free, it's allergy-free, it's all the things, you guys. And it's manufactured in the USA and it's sent straight to your door. So the first month that comes in this really cute reusable glass bottle, your kid can personalize it with stickers. And then after that, there's a no plastic refill pouch that comes with fresh vitamins each month, which means it's not just good for your kids, it's good for the environment. We've worked out a special offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You can receive 50% off your first order by going to Haya.com truth or entering the code truth at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A. H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash truth. And you can get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. The full discount will be applied at checkout. All right, back to the show. So the rest of Tuesday's reading is verses 18 through 20. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies previously made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the good fight, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and have shipwrecked the faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered to Satan so that they may be taught not to blaspheme. Ah, (laughs) that ending there for the... I thank you, um, She Reads Truth team, for the the passages in the margins of that study book mm-hmm. um, that delivered to Satan that mm-hmm. this is allowing them to go the way they are trying mm-hmm. to go, mm-hmm. which is into the world instead mm-hmm. of the church, mm-hmm. because the world is Satan's realm, mm-hmm. right? As we turn the page to First uh, Timothy chapter two, we're kind of Amanda. You'd mentioned like that there are passages in these letters that feel like okay, these are going to be areas where. Even the church of Christ that is united Uh in Christ may um, disagree in interpretation of certain passages. And 1 Timothy chapter 2 is one of those. So even before we read it, like, I think it's just important to, like, put out there, this is going to fall on everyone's ears a little bit differently. And we're just kind of, I just want to, like, leave room for that. Mm -hmm. And even maybe, you know, after we read it, Scott, you could share with us sort of like a, just a, here are a couple of ways that, you know, the church interprets these passages all under the umbrella of we believe in the essential things. And these are things maybe where um, we disagree. Or we disagree. And here's what I want to encourage y'all listening and y'all reading this week. When you come to a passage like this, remember our goal as the church. Our goal is unity, right? Like even if I think about like Jesus praying in the high priestly prayer, Mm -hmm. like that they would be one as you and I are Mm -hmm. one, right? And so let not scripture be a source of division for us, but a source of like learning, listening, pursuing Christ together, even in our disagreements. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and the chapter begins with instructions on prayer, a a unifying call to prayer, which I think is something that we can agree on, right? Yeah, yeah. So listen to this, is that, you know, that listen to this unifying call here at the beginning, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, first of all then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, 
so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. There's that essential, Mm -hmm. right? That's right. Verse 7, for this I was appointed a herald, an apostle. I am telling, I love this parenthetical, I am telling the truth, I am not lying. (laughs) And a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Mm -hmm. Verse 8, therefore, I want the men and in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Also, the women are to dress themselves in modest clothing with decency and good sense, not with elaborate hairstyles, gold, pearls, or expensive apparel, but with good works, as is proper for women who profess to worship God. A woman is to learn quietly with full submission. I do not allow a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Instead, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed. But she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with good sense. I will disclose that in the margin at one point I wrote, is this true? Like, you know, I just Mm -hmm. just talking, I just want you all to know it's okay to talk to God Mm -hmm. in His Word Mm -hmm. and to talk back to it and say, like, help me, help Mm -hmm. me understand how this is true. And always to hold scripture above us and That's go right. like, this is above us. This doesn't beneath us. That this is, you said um, real early in this episode for scripture to revise us and not for us to revise scripture. And at the same time for us to know what yeah. scripture says and into the audience and to which it speaks. Yeah. Talk to us about this kind of difficult passage, Scott. Yeah, so kind just, of. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to erase yeah. your kind of, this is a difficult passage to hear with modern ears. Yeah, so let's just move on to chapter three then, uh, shall we? Um, see, see, friends, this is how you you understand how much Scott. You understand that Scott that is. he's our friend, right? That because <laughs> to accept this invitation on such short notice. Yeah, I mean, I'll um, I'll refrain from disclosing you know my own um, interpretation of this, and I. I think there are two important things to say, Amanda, and you've already said uh, most of it, that on certain subjects, there is a range of interpretation. There is such thing as a categorically false interpretation. I think it's really important. I don't want to get in a rabbit trail, but I think it's important to say that some interpretations are just not legitimate. And, 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 And I think that the principles that you all provide on page, I don't know, I think it was 14 uh-huh. and 15 mm-hmm. of, of how to interpret scripture. These are surefire principles to up the chances that you're going to get it right in yeah. the way that you're reading scripture. And so so back to passages like this one, mm-hmm. um, you know, always important to recognize everything in scripture is written in a context which immediately puts us in the, the contemporary American West at a disadvantage because we're not first century people, we're not Middle Eastern people, uh, we're not generally speaking facing death all day long. Right. Most of us, mm-hmm. which which is the that was the condition out of which most of the Bible came to us as people who who were facing death and mm-hmm. massive persecution and violence and and all the rest. And so we have to you know concede that and then you know try to you know bring the principles of what was written in another context into our own 
and apply it that way. But Paul's teaching on, you know, women in the church. You know, there's this passage, but there's also Corinth where Paul, Paul in the Corinthian letters, you know, says when a woman, you know, gets up and mm-hmm. prophesies mm-hmm. in the assembly, in the worship service. Mm-hmm. Some would say, well, that means women can preach. And others would say, well, that means women can, you know, read scripture or that means, you know, whatever. But I mean, whatever. I, I don't want to make it sound like a casual thing, but, mm-hmm. but there are different takes. Uh, and the really important thing, as you've already pointed out, Rachel and Amanda, is that we get our takes from very careful reading of the whole of scripture and that we interpret the less clear passages of Scripture in light of the more clear mm-hmm. passages of Scripture. So Paul is abundantly clear in Corinthians that a woman, there are women who speak in the church, and he's legitimizing that. You know, he's putting it forth as something that that people do. And so, so what could this passage in Timothy mean in light of that? Because right. if it's Scripture, if it's an if it's all inspired by the truth telling Holy Spirit. Any contradiction is apparent, not real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's no real contradiction here in Scripture. There is apparent contradiction that, that has to be wrestled through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, right. think, I think the big overarching principle here is where Paul says, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. Mm-hmm. There's something in the way that God has created. Jesus affirmed it in Matthew. In the beginning, God created the male and female. That, that's sort of this overarching truth that, that I think is the main takeaway from this this passage. Mm. And we can get into the weeds, but the way we yeah. got to get into the weeds is by pulling other more clear yeah, uh, right. passages right. from Scripture into our understanding of this one. And yeah. honestly, that's all I'll say. I appreciate that. And I think that that's, a, that's very helpful. Thank you. And, and so for those of you who do have the study book, that we've done some of that work for you. You'll yes. see on page 25 and on many of the pages in this book, a see also, yeah. where you can see a lot of other mm-hmm. places where Paul specifically, so same writer, is speaking on these very same topics mm-hmm. throughout his ministry, throughout his letters, two different audiences. And so you can actually, like, some some of us love homework, some of us don't love homework, but in any event, we love to learn and we desire to understand, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is, if you've got time on these days, Look up, like read all of the stuff. We didn't include it all printed in the book, but we have done the work of laying it all right aside there so you can very easily find what else scripture has to say about these same topics. Yeah. Something I'll say just in terms of what we do when we come across things that, you know, prompt me to write in my margin. Is this true? So even in relationship, Rachel, this this apply, I want to encourage us to to think about the way we handle other relationships. If you said something that I disagreed with, I wouldn't write you off as irrelevant to me. Yeah. And I would seek to, I would want to know more. Yeah. So like, I need to know more. I need to know, because that doesn't, that doesn't seem right to me, but I know you. Mm -hmm. And so I, and, and so I want to seek understanding and I'm not putting you on the level clearly of the Lord or the Holy Spirit. But I'm just saying that there are ways that we approach scripture sometimes that are very inconsistent with the way we approach any other relationship or anything else that matters Mm -hmm. to us, Mm -hmm. where we are, we can be very quick to say, well, this means it's all irrelevant when what we need to, instead of pulling away, we need to, we need to lean in Mm -hmm. and say, well, I need help, help me understand. Help me know more. Yeah. Because sometimes, I mean, sometimes it can be as not as, I'm going to say as simple, that's, that's, untrue. It's not simple. But this, you know, to how many times have I read verse 11, a woman is to learn quietly with full submission and only focused on quietly with full submission and completely glossed over that Paul is saying a woman is to learn. 
mm-hmm. in this cultural context where that statement mm-hmm. is Pretty quite radical. radical. And yeah. who did Timothy learn the gospel from? Lois, Lois and, Eunice. and Eunice. And who were they? His mother and his grandmother. His mother and his right. They were women. Yeah. And Paul right? calls them out by name mm-hmm. in the next book, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he confronts them for teaching their boy son, right? And mm-hmm. says, you shouldn't have done that? Yes. Is that what he does? <laughs> That's not what he does. No, he That's doesn't. not what we will find. He, he praises them. He, yes. he them. memorializes them. And he them. tells That's Timothy, right. hold on to this that you learned mm-hmm. from your mother and your That's grandmother. Right. That's such a good point. Okay, we now have a little bit of a race to the finish. Okay, Scott, will you read chapter three for us? First Timothy 3, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders, so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. Deacons, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must also be tested first. If they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Wives, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not slanderers, self-controlled, faithful in everything. And Deacons are to be husbands of one wife, managing their children and their own households competently. For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I write these things to you, hoping to come to you soon. But if I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And most certainly, the mystery of godliness is great. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. I love the emphasis on the household of God here, that you know, again, we could we could spend a lot of time parsing out all the words here and digging in, and, and that would be a, a fine thing to do mm-hmm. if we had the time. <laughs> we do not. <laughs> um, but we do not. But the emphasis on, like, this is ha- how we are to be a sign act. Yeah. I don't know if that's fair to you, if that's I a good use. But how we are to live our lives yeah. as members of the household of faith, and even more so mm-hmm. those who are in positions of leadership. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That this is a serious, like you said earlier, these are personal letters, They're all and, and there's a fondness between these two men. There's also a serious Mm -hmm. with which these letters are written. That's right. And I do think the life of the church is God's greatest sign of his own reality and existence in the world. Um, That's right. Interesting, compelling, uh, where it says that those who desire to be overseers must have a good reputation with outsiders. Mm -hmm. There have to be non-Christians who like you and want to be like you uh, in order for you to qualify to lead the church of Christ, which is... A statement that could also be said about the church. Like God desires yes. for local churches to be a life-giving presence and experiences a life-giving presence to their neighbors. Yeah. That's right. Oh, that's yeah. a good point. I love that you pointed that out. Before we move on to chapter 4, verse 9 is something that I feel like Paul circles back to a little later in the second letter, but where he talks about, he's talking about deacons. He says that they should be holding, that one of the characteristics is that 
is holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And I think that verse is so kind of representative of what we, these tensions that we, that we wrestle with when we read these letters, um, that what we desire and what um, we ought to desire is to hold the mystery of the faith. Mm-hmm. So it is a mystery hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Mm-hmm. And that requires work. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that goes into, into that. And I think we see echoes of it mm-hmm. as he keeps writing. I think something that I actually appreciate about Paul's letters here to Timothy also is that he lays, like we've acknowledged, like out some very hard things. Um, but no, I take that back. Not hard things. He lays out just like very clear things, very direct things to his specific audience. And he also says repeatedly, 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 do not be bickerers. Like this is like, (laughs) this is not about finding disunity. This is about unity. And I think that like, I've been challenged by that. I hope our listeners too, y'all will be challenged that to find when we read scripture to find more unity together and not division. And anyway, I'll read um, chapter four. Um, to us now, starting in verse 1. Now, the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, since it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ, nourished by the words of faith and the good teaching that you have followed, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourselves in godliness. And y'all, this is a key verse of our faith and practice study that we um, read last January, but I love this passage. Train yourselves in godliness, for the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason, we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe." Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And that is the end of our Timothy reading for this week. It's such a good word to Timothy, who is trying to serve well and to hear these words from one who cares for him and is a little bit gone ahead of him, and then also for us to hear today. Mm -hmm. I just wonder if Timothy preached in run-on sentences or if he... (laughs) Became more concise. I wish we knew. <laughs> I wish we knew. That's we had a, a good letter question. from Timothy. I know. <laughs> yeah. And you would, you, I'm sure, if we had letters from Timothy, that we would see some see some echoes Paul of Paul mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. It is really fascinating. It's such a the the many layers of this of these letters is is just so rich and interesting. I mean, echoes of Paul, but also, like you said, echoes of Lois. 
Mm-hmm. Echoes of Eunice, like he's yeah. he's echoes he, of Jesus. He's not yeah, echoes of like he's mm-hmm. not just a mini Paul. Like mm-hmm. he's he is influenced by many people, and ultimately, like you said, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. He's a real person. He's yeah. not a character mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. in a story. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Scott, thank you for um, reading through those four chapters with yeah. us, and for kind of helping us get started on this journey in these two books. And this is. I hope that three weeks is not all of the journey that we will have in these, but that, yeah. that, that this will be a a springboard for all of us to to just continue to dig deeper and seek understanding as we have this ongoing lifelong yeah. relationship with God's word. And Scott, you have I mean, like one of the many things I appreciate about you is your very pastoral approach to to life and to people, um, and not just to your congregation, but to the people that read your books, to the people who hear you when you speak. Like all of these things, you communicate out of such a place of care first, and that's why you have a book that's coming out. In just a couple of weeks, in June seventeenth, June fourteenth, June fourteenth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's coming out June fourteenth, and it is called "Beautiful People Don't Just Happen: How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans." I know we don't have a lot of time, but I want to take the time. I want you to tell us a little bit about this book because I think that it is such a beautiful gift to the church hmm. um, at this time. Mm-hmm. Will you tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah, I think the subtitle tells tells the whole story of what it's about. It's probably the most memoir kind of book that I've written, even though it's not necessarily a memoir. But I think coming out of the pandemic, especially uh, my own sense, not only in my own life, in my own world, but just everywhere, is that people are just disoriented and you know probably carrying a good bit of regret and hurt and anxiety and it's not so much a book on suffering as it is about how God, in the same way that he can take a piece of coal and turn it into a diamond, God tends to do his best work and to do his most frequent uh, showing up uh, in those low places, you know, Uh, like he met the, you know, the bleeding woman on the ground at the hem of his garment was where she found healing, you know, on the ground. Jacob and his, you know, wrestling with God was where, where he, you know, learned to limp forward for the rest of his life and and be fully, um, you know, the redemptive, you know, agent that God had created him to be. And uh, I think we we can easily underestimate um, the power of, you know, our disappointments and our setbacks and the anticlimactic realities of life in a fallen world when God is very clear and explicit both by teaching and example in the life of Christ himself who learned obedience through the things that he suffered yeah. that that there is some redemption to be had in those things that we wish about our lives weren't mm-hmm. true right mm-hmm. uh, like yeah. like we all on some level wish we were living somebody else's life and i don't know i i, I hope that it it will help people you know come to terms with the life that god's given us you know and and see the redemptive work God wants to do in those things that you and I wish weren't true yeah. about our lives, mm-hmm. about our regrets, our hurts, our fears, and, and that sort of thing. That's so, the thing. I think yeah. we forget that mm-hmm. God is in the business of restoration. It is his specialty. Mm-hmm. Like he says, I am making all things new, mm-hmm. not just some things new, but we're included That's in the right. all things. And That's to right. like really like step into that and walk into, mm-hmm. he's the one that can mm-hmm. make me new, not yeah. all these other things. But mm-hmm. I, I'm really excited about this book. And I know that 
honestly, every book that you've written has been a gift to the church. But for this time in this place, I'm really excited that this is releasing. Y'all can, it's linked in our show notes. You know how much pre-orders matter, but I, it's not even, this is not for Scott. This is for y'all. Like, mm. I want y'all to have a copy of this book. I think you're probably going to want to get a couple because you're going to want to share it because there's just such a message of hope and restoration through God through the Creator. Um, so I encourage y'all to look over to that. We are at the end of our time. We are coming back next week. A new guest, a new friend, Kelsey Hensey, and we're going to be wrapping up the second half of First Timothy with Kelsey. Really looking forward to that. But until next week, Scott, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. Keep opening your Bibles.